Friday Feedback is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Cufflinks.com. Go to Cufflinks.com today and use code GOT20 to get 20% off your order of Game of Thrones products. You can also use code DVR20 to get 20% off anything, no minimum. Cufflinks.com has been with us for a while now. We're so happy. Cufflinks.com. That's my theme song. I always got to have a theme song. Cufflinks.com slash DVR. Go over there today. Check them out. Elevate your style. Welcome, everybody, to Podcast Winterfell. My name is Mike. I am here with Tracy, and we are a part of the DVR Podcast Network. want to thank Axel very much for holding down the Podcast Winterfell feed during the long time that we've been away from the show. And I just really want to start off by getting Tracy's voice in this thing because it is a source of joy to me. How you doing, Tracy? I am doing well, Mike. It's been so long. How are you? I'm excited to talk about something that doesn't matter in my actual life. Uh, it's called <laughs> a television show, and it's got some dragons. So let's talk about the dragons. Absolutely. How's spring treating you? Are you uh, excited to see the show? Are you like, because this is a weird thing, right? It's been so long since we watched it that. I mean, unless you reread all the books and, and you know, I, you had to really try to kind of stay into it, I feel like, over the off season, And I am, I was like, oh, yeah, it's coming back, isn't it? Whereas when it ended, right, I was like, ah, how am I going to survive the time? How are you feeling uh, Sunday night? Look, I'm going to tell you, I pretty much disconnected from the show completely during the hiatus because I didn't want to miss it. Um, I started reading comics. I have DC uh, Universe and I have Marvel Unlimited and I've been all in the X-Men and learning all this stuff. So I kind of replaced one obsession with a new one. (laughs) However, however... In the fall, George R. R. Martin came to Jersey City, and I went to go see him and get a signed copy of Fire and Blood. Nice. So that prequel book allowed me to sort of stay in the world and get me ready for this. I didn't read it as soon as I got the book. I waited till uh, we got a little closer to the season starting because I did want to kind of get the juices flowing again. The book was excellent. Uh, If anyone has ever read the other prequels and found them a bit dry, which I agree, they did read like history books. This one doesn't. It definitely has a more narrative tone. It it reads like a story. Very entertaining. I actually would love another one of those. Okay. And I'm ready for the show, but I'm not... You know, on the edge of my seat. If HBO had said, look, guys, we need another month. I would not be out in the streets rioting with all of you. (laughs) I'd be totally fine. The show's coming. I'm going to watch it. I'm probably going to enjoy it. Definitely podcast about it. And that's that. Very zen. Right. But you told me you rewatched season seven. I did in one day, which was not advised. (laughs) And what'd you think? Because I actually ended up doing the same thing. Uh, yeah. And, you know, not planned. Uh, it was just kind of like, yeah, I'll, I'll skip through some stuff, you know. 
but then what happens? What's the first thing that happens at the beginning of season seven? It's when she kills the phrase. She's, you know, right? She kills Walder at the end of six. And so at the beginning of seven, she's inhabiting his body and she mm-hmm. poisons everybody. And I mean, I'm like, I'm not even a full minute into season seven and these fuckers <laughs> got me back. How do they do it? <laughs> that was such a good open. Well, you know, if you want to get people on your side, kill the phrase, right? Because <laughs> that's something we can all agree on. Yeah, that's true. They're terrible. That- Soft target. You're right. You're right. But it was a good season. I mean, I did watching it again, you know, I didn't go through it and watch every episode in a day because it was a slog and I had to do my homework. You know, it got me back. You know, Ed Sheeran was only in one little part, so I forgot about that fairly quickly. (laughs) Uh, You know, and I enjoyed it. I mean, it's definitely different to watch it all at once, of course, than it is to watch week to week you end up like it wears you down as far as being a nitpicker which i can definitely be sometimes um you know i was i saw of course the like blue color of magic everywhere so much more this time <laughs> because it was all packed together in one shot so of course and my wife came in and was like when danny's on the beach and she was like oh that's that stupid thing you were talking about all year last year <laughs> and i was like yes it is that's correct you know so that was we had i enjoyed revisiting that moment and those feelings uh and, but you know it's really I, i'm ready for this whole thing to get started um, and this episode, this beginning episode of season eight is exactly that. It's the first episode of the final season. You know, it was fine. Um, it wasn't a religious experience. <laughs> I mean, and of course, you know, this is now we're recording on Wednesday, right? So there's been a few days. There's been a little bit of time to, you know, see how, see what everybody thought and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, people want every episode to be a religious experience sometimes, and they either are mad when it isn't or they inflate it into being that. Um, But I think most people this time, you know, were pretty settled in. And I think part of that had to do with how much time it's been. You know, it's the first episode, final season. We got to check in with everybody. We got to see where everybody's at. And, you know, we got the like whole R plus L thing out of the way, which was great. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, Over this whole period of time, people are probably thinking, oh, what about when this person sees this person? Oh, what about when this person sees that person? And they just gave it to us, right? Like, don't mull it over. Don't obsess over it. Yes, John's going to see Sam. Yes, Jamie's going to see Bran. Yes, Arya's going to see John. Like, just get it all out of the way. And, you know, is and there was... I was just right. But as far as the things that like mattered, they also got a couple of those out of the way. And I was glad to see some of that stuff get knocked out. Um, You know, most especially not waiting until episode four before the whole John thing gets going. Right. Because we've been waiting forever for that to have some sort of an actual consequence. We have. And I think they did the right thing by just, you know, confronting it. It's fine that we didn't really get a full reaction you know, how much reaction are you going to get? (laughs) How dare you? How dare you? Sorry, carry on. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But you know, our, our guy needs to think about things. He needs to really break it down. And I hope that in the future we'll get some 
some thought from from him, from Danny, from whoever, from Sansa for sure about okay, but what does this really mean? You know, and does it really mean he's supposed to be the king? You know, in my mind it doesn't. So well, I think may vary, what but. what does that what does that mean? How do you meaning meaning if Robert took the throne through conquest, it doesn't matter who's next oh, in line. If he the took the Targaryens don't have it. Right. Solid point. If he killed Rhaegar, which yeah. he did, then whoever's next is irrelevant. It, yeah. It, it's you either get it through but, lineage or through but, conquest. But if then the tar a Targaryen comes back and reconquers Robert's conquest, does that then become relevant again, or is the yes. conquering the thing? I would say, if the people are behind you, they would want the person with the best claim. If you're just, you know, planting your flag, yeah, it's whoever's got the biggest dragon, and we know who that is. And he does have the. <laughs> And he does have the uh, the best claim because the claim would not run to the Mad King's next child. Right. The claim would run to the first son of the first son of the first mm -hmm. son. Exactly. Right? So that's what actually makes his claim over hers, mm -hmm. despite the fact that she would be actually generationally elder. Right. It doesn't matter. It would it would definitely go because once Mad King dies, old, it's um, masculinity shit. That's just some old dumb patriarchy shit. Right. And there's uh in Fire and Blood, there's a lot of discussion and a lot of drama surrounding that because people have questioned it in the past and it's been a point of contention for sure. Yeah. Uh, that's one thing I should say, <clears throat> I guess I didn't say to begin with. Uh we Apparently have a lot of new listeners, and of course we are very happy to have you all. And Tracy and I, what we usually do is, um, we've both read the books, so we talk about book stuff. Um, and once upon a time, we tried to be really careful about not spoiling, you know, about being like, okay, guys, this is book stuff that's not been in the show yet, and, you know, turn off the thing. And, and But since we're so far past the end of the books at this point, we are pretty open about it right i mean have we really we haven't really been too sensory about book stuff for a while now have we um no but i'll probably refrain from bringing up outside stuff just in case there are people who want to read the books going forward you know like i don't want to just drop something to be dropping it i'd, I'd like people to be able to experience some of that cool stuff sure but I think, like, talking about Fire and Blood, for instance, um, right. you know, I haven't read it, but it's it's not relevant directly to the show. No. But it is still thematically relevant, right? I mean, it's the same yeah, game. Yeah, it's the history. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that some of that kind of stuff is liable to come up. Um, but we all, you know, we're both try to be careful about not ruining it for people. And we usually are pretty clear about saying, you know, yeah. Well, such and such and so forth from the books. Um, mm -hmm. So, but I do think it's, you know, I want to, uh, uh, some other folks are, have been talking about Fire and Blood. I haven't read it yet. So I am interested. Every little drop of that I hear, I'm, I'm interested in. So have you been listening to any of uh, the Winterfell podcasts? 
I actually uh, just listened to Axel and Jinx. I wasn't able to finish it because my commute isn't that long, but I (laughs) probably will finish it on my way to work tomorrow. And I swear, Jinx is probably one of my favorite people in the fandom. I love hearing from her. So that was pretty great. Otherwise, I've been, you know, like I said, I pretty much unplugged from... Game of Thrones because I didn't want I didn't want to obsess over I didn't want to think about it I mean it was they've hurt a me year before. and a half they've hurt me with yeah. these <laughs> with these absences and they don't deserve all of that for all of those feelings from me frankly <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> yeah I know I know I I feel the same <clears throat> like you're gonna be gone for so long fine I'm not gonna think about you either yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, have, so I've been listening, you know, I've really crammed out in the last week or so um, and played out a lot of them. And, and, you know, Axel did some really great interviews. So if, if folks haven't listened to him yet, go back and check out uh, his interview with longtime universe, our podcasting universe anyway, Bubba from Joffrey of Podcasts has been in our little space for since lost days, you know, so it's always nice to hear his thoughts, but he did Axel did an interview. Oh, and there's also a, um, a clef notes from podcast Winterfell founder, Matt Murdick, um, who's a lovely man and a professional musician who has all kinds of great stuff to say about the music in the show. So if you enjoy the music or if you've never really thought about the music, check out the cleft notes with Matt Murdick because he, the way he talks about the music in the show is accessible to people who don't know anything about it because I can't, I can't like hit a note. <laughs> I'm not a musician, <laughs> you know. So I need him to say things in very simple terms for me, which he does. And he also actually sits at his keyboard and plays out little sections um, that he's talking about. So he can be very descriptive and kind of separate it from like the dialogue and the experience of the whole show. So you can grasp the music a little bit. And that has been on the podcast Winterfell feed, which is really good. And he did an interview with somebody who I haven't paid any attention to because I've just really been focused on our little universe. A guy named Lucifer Means Lightbringer. Are you familiar with LML? Yes, from Twitter. Um, I think he does a lot of YouTube videos, right? Right. And that's another – I I tend to listen to things. You know, I haven't really gotten too much into the the YouTube – world of ice and fire Uh, you know other every now and then you'll see little clips that you'll click on but i don't really follow anybody on youtube so axel but apparently he wears wigs and costumes and stuff i had no idea (laughs) (laughs) but his what he talks about is uh this like he 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 basically kind of cracked the code in the books and he's talking a lot about kind of book one and book two but he's talking about very specific very esoteric things within it um that doesn't you can listen to at least the interview he did with axel if you haven't read the books and you won't be missing anything and you also won't miss it lose anything if you go to read it because he's taking like one or two little sentences out of one or two little places that 
most of the rest of us just kind of passed over. And he is expanding those things into these grand arc concepts. Basically, he's saying that like dragons were a representation of comets and the day that the moon cracked over and there's an eclipse that happened and like he's relating all of this stuff to the magic in the world. And I obviously cannot do it justice and I wouldn't even try. You should really hear it out of his face, out of his mouth. But like he's done a lot of kind of reading of George's interviews and stuff and tried to ferret out the the mythical examples from our world that he thinks George is interpreting and using in uh, in you know uh, Westeros and a lot of it has to do with the weirwood trees and with the creation of the night walker and all these kind of stuff right and, and he's the I you know me I love that shit I love it when a historian comes on or a costume person mm-hmm. or somebody and talks about the war of the roses and I love all that you know um, and I believe that I mean George has talked a lot about his influences and the stuff he reads and the stuff he's interested in and it's not just Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. um you know, so so I, I, I Lucifer means like that that interview that Axel did with him was really a great intro, I think, into his whole kind of theory and universe. Because I've read a little bit more of his stuff since then, um, and I highly recommend it. So, and then Monday, uh, DJ Tim Hines did the fan call in. So if you're new to Winterfell and you want to call in and and talk and and have an opinion and and say your say your speak your piece. Call DJ Tim Hines on Monday night. He's, as always, doing his thing, as Tim Hines does. He's a great – he's he's really good at that thing, you know, right? That, like, taking in new people and, and taking their ideas seriously and being able to adjust to them and all that. You know, he's good at all that. So call him on Monday if you can. But the other thing is, man, this website's full of fanboys, is it <laughs> <laughs> this everybody every, this website everybody loves everybody on this podcast loves everything really i mean like it's a little i've been listening to it a lot over the last week and maybe it's just you know piling up a little bit but like you know axel loves to talk about how hard it is to make this show you know and and that is true like there's no doubt about it they are working on a production scale unlike anything else you can't compare it to anything else and organizing it all must be an enormous pain in the ass but also it's the like so what like it's the biggest tv show on earth they're also being rewarded for it at this point that's kind of comes with the territory i don't really think that's like a valid thing to say anymore in terms of of combating people's complaints about the show because he's been saying that for a few seasons now where he's like, well, if you don't like something that just is too bad for you because they're shooting in Croatia and that's tough. And it's like, I don't, I don't consider that a valid thing to say anymore. Now that we've gotten to the end of this whole thing, there's no doubt that it's the case. I'm not saying it's not true. I just think it's irrelevant to conversations about the way they are handling the story. Right, which is a different thing than the way they are handling production. Um, and you know, you and I, have, being book readers, um, and not just like jolly, happy, fucking people—people people who, <laughs> I mean, I don't know how else to say it. I don't think I'm unpleasant, but I mean, I'm not just automatically love everything, right? Uh, I think that you know, you and I bring a little bit more of a critical perspective to the show. Um, and talk a little bit more about the way things are interpreted, um, maybe than the other people on our network. 
probably true. I think last season we were a little tough on the uh, the way certain things were presented. We we sort of felt like they rushed through things and they spent too much time on other things. And we definitely gave the show a hard time. Um, yeah, I'm over the whole the production is hard. I mean, what's the learning curve on this then? We're in season <laughs> what now? You had like two years. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, for me, I expect a lot from the dialogue. I feel like these characters are well established now. We're not meeting too many new people. There's enough background in history for us to have expectations for how people will behave and how people will react. And I think that's why we were so underwhelmed with the Arya Sansa sort of fake out fake fighting rivalry just to trick us about the Littlefinger murder. You know, it rang false because we know these people now and they can't play games with the audience anymore. We know them, you know, and when you write dialogue that's not true to the character, we hear it, we see it. It doesn't make sense to us. Yep. And it was great watching her cut his throat. And it was just as good this time as it was last time. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I, I, you know, the whole lead up to it felt like they, it felt like there were things that were shot that they didn't end up using. And I don't understand why I, it just, it wasn't clear. And watching it again, it was not clear how they went from where they were at to where they ended up, you know? <clears throat> and, and so Anyway, so we're going to do a little bit of that, too. The other thing we do is read emails. So if you have emails, if you want to send us long, extended thoughts, I can't promise I'm going to read the whole entire thing. Uh, but I will definitely get your points in. And, you know, we try to read sections and, and make sure that everybody gets a voice. Because, the like, what has made this show so much better than just watching the show itself, of course, is interacting with everybody and hearing everybody's ideas. And at least once a week, somebody says something that I'm like, oh, my God, you're the smartest person I've ever met. <laughs> and <laughs> next week, it's going to be somebody different, right? But, you know, every week there's somebody who's saying something that really impacts my appreciation and enjoyment and experience of the show. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. And we got some crazy emails this week, so... What do you want to talk about? What stood out to you? Is there anything specific that you want to get into? I got some notes here. We could read some emails. <clears throat> I really appreciated the shot where they're pouring the dragon glass. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah, because you've got like the 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 thing that's con the container that I don't there's a word for it, I'm sure, that's containing the melted glass and it's all fiery and red and the melting the pouring dragon glass is all icy blue. That was a nice shot. Ooh, that was good. I paused on that one. I bet you did. What did you like? What you want to talk about anything specific or should we get into the emails? Um, let's get into the emails. I'm really curious to know what other people saw because like you, I'm constantly impressed and surprised by the people who watch this show along with us and I'm ready to sort of pop the hood and see what's going on in their heads. Okay, one question quick from me before we get started. Why do you think there were three testicle jokes in the first, like, two minutes? <laughs> <laughs> what was going on with that? Because they are adolescents that are <laughs> running this show. We know that already. <laughs> <laughs> there was, I was like, there's a lot of 
Okay, here we go with the testicle jokes. It was like, you know, one, sure, two, maybe, but three? Uh, okay. Uh, let's start off with Brian in Japan. Konnichiwa, podcast winner, fell. I don't know if I said that right or not, but uh, this little raven from the land of the rising sun is all worn out after its long journey across the not-so-narrow sea, so I'll keep the message reasonably brief. Now, is that a cute fucking intro or what? Is there another <laughs> word for it? That's a super <laughs> cute intro. He knows what he's doing. Right? So glad to hear from people again. I've decided for now not to write a weekly blog about the final season because I just want to enjoy the show. As a result, while I had a notebook and pen, I only wrote two words as I became absorbed in what for me was a very emotional episode. Watching all the long-awaited four-character reunions such as Ari and John gave me a serious case of the feels. Loved it and felt it was, for the most part, expertly done, both moving the story, adding to the character dynamics, and creating some new tensions that I didn't expect. <clears throat> so, uh, you know, Brian and Japan... Likes the show, likes John Bradley, thinks he had a great moment with Danny. I think that's pretty much across the board uh, for all of us. And he says, finally, what were the two words I wrote down in my notes? Well, the very end of that wonderful opening credit sequence when the Iron Throne snapped together like an angry, authoritative jaw, I simply jotted down, bad ass. Until <laughs> next week, podcast winner fell Brian in Japan. <clears throat> yeah, there's a couple of good points in there. The, the, the new opening credit sequence was really, really cool. I like to see that a lot. And I liked the fact that they just made, went to the effort to do that. Absolutely. I think it's one of the things that show us that they do care. I think we're, we're tough on the show sometimes. And I like that, you know, I like being tough on them, but usually I hate credit sequences and I never watch them. You know, I'll watch it the first time, the second time, and then sure. it just becomes annoying. Right. I act, will sit down and watch the opening credits and I, you know, I always think there's like a nice little nugget in there if you take the time to watch. It pays off. See, their their opening credit sequence is a pain in my ass because I don't want to see the actor names, right? Oh, I I open my <laughs> eyes once the principals are done. I like. <laughs> Right, so you can't really watch the credit sequence. No, because it's like you just cross your eyes a little bit and you don't read it. I watch, I watch the credit sequence on my rewatch, but I don't watch it on the first. So, like, it's kind of a pain in the ass for me because I have to fast forward through one, but I always watch it on the second one. It's such, it's a good problem to have. Yes, I shouldn't complain about it. But like, we were watching it, and my wife was like, "Wait, everything is white." And I was like, yeah, because winter is here. You know, that, I mean, come on. That's, what a fucking dork. Like, so excited off that shit right in the beginning. I mean, you've got the wall. There's a freaking hole in it. Right? Yes. And they showed us last hearth, which was nice. And then it's just done so well. And I'm actually curious to know who decides what gets shown. And how? Because I feel like that's maybe something that the showrunners might farm out to staff members. I don't know. Maybe I don't have enough faith in them. <laughs> I feel like that's uh, an executive level decision. I feel like that's something they would probably do. I don't know. Um, but also, I feel like that would be a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. You know, right? Whoever is actually doing, because whoever is actually doing the production work of it, you know, has got to have all kinds of cool ideas. How else would it, you know what I mean? And, and things that they want to make, you know, like the spiral staircase. I'm sure that that was 
probably, you know what I mean? Whoever, whatever the idea for the spiral staircase came up, I'm sure everybody was like, yes, yes, yes. Put that in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's a done deal, you know, and who knows where that came from. But yeah, I, I loved it. All right, let's get this thing with, with, with Sam and, and Danny out the way real quick, because obviously that was a big moment. And I, I, you know, I've been a huge Sam fan for a long time. And at this point, I feel like he's one of the most interesting characters in the show. He is the founder of the Dragon Glass Cave. He is the one who found the diary. He is the owner of the badass sword. He is. And at this point, right, he's the boss. He's the Lord of Hornhill. No. Oh, I mean, I guess if you're letting him out of his vows yes you know but once you become a member of the night's watch you know you give up your titles and all of that um but if we're not following the rules i guess and why would we (laughs) (laughs) yes well because see like uh, this is something that i saw that i thought was interesting is the idea that basically now he's the lord of horn hill and so that means he's the commander of the tarly armies and I was like, oh, well, that's going to be useful. But are there any Tarly armies? They all got burned up, right? Or Most they have already likely. defected. Yeah, I mean, maybe some of them were protecting um, the Tyrell castle. Why can't I think of the name of it right now? Oh, the Reed, you know, over there. Mm-hmm. And it's possible that they were there and they were killed by the um, Lannister army. So I don't think we're supposed to assume that there are people willing, ready to follow Sam. So that's really irrelevant. Yeah. But I still like I, you know, I'm a big fan of the character, even if all of that stuff's not going to go down. And I also happen to think that he's George's doppelganger in the show. And so (laughs) that's part of why he's such an undercover badass, you know. Uh, And of course, John Bradley's one of the best actors in this show uh and they showed his reaction because he can react and he did a good <laughs> yeah <job. laughs> uh, but right i mean have you heard anybody who wasn't happy with that moment who didn't think that that was worth worthy of praise um it didn't hit me as hard as it hit a lot of the people that i've been talking to most have felt the way um you know, your feeling about it, but well, I guess the reason is I, I don't know. I get that he was sad, but then when he talked about it with John, as if it was evidence that Daenerys wasn't a good leader or the right leader, that didn't make sense to me. Mm. The sadness made sense. I think he nailed it. It was believable. But why, why does he feel like that's not something that someone would do? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it seemed like the only, it seemed like really the only exceptional thing she did was use dragons. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, people who won't bend the knee are killed all the time, no? <laughs> in, right. in this world, and I would imagine that Sam Tarley would be well aware that that happens and that's a common punishment and that's why people bend the knee because they don't want to die. Okay, so but <clears throat> it seems 
I don't want to say clear, but it's the, you, it's not hard to interpret the following scene where he goes and sees John as uh, him basically, you know, because he says, like, would you do that? You know, and I wasn't a king. And so he's kind of he's comparing and he's it's not unreasonable to interpret that as a setup of basically Sam having a problem with Danny and mm-hmm. that that being a problem for Danny and John. So even if you think that's stupid, do you think that's like, even if you think that's a bad choice, do you think that's a correct interpretation? I do think it's correct. And I also think it's a bad choice, but I I think you're probably right. I just feel like, you know, there's, why couldn't Sam just question her methods uh, on their own merit? Why does it have to be a personal affront? You know, be sad about your dad and your brother, for sure. Wish that they had, you know, chosen life and, you know, dealt with whatever, you know, punishment comes their way. But to to say, oh, uh, you know, who does that type of thing? Lots of people. That's the answer. And you know it. Well, and so, Tyrion, when she's doing it, is says, like, come on, this is the thing everybody does. Don't do this thing. I mean, he says that, like, this is very common. Why would you want to do that? I thought you were going to do the uncommon thing. <clears throat> right. But, yeah, and I guess it'll be interesting to see how she sells her or, you know, makes her case. Because I know that that was a criticism you had of her last season. You kept saying, you know, what's her vision? And I said, you know, oh, she wants to break the wheel. And then you're like, yeah, but what does that mean? And I had no answer. right? And dude, literally this year, Axel has used the words parliamentary democracy. Literally (laughs) used the words. (laughs) I mean, come get the fuck out. That's insane. The idea that one of the podcasts today, it was suggested that Tyrion was going to be the prime minister of a representative democracy in Westeros after this whole thing was done. That, to me, is completely absurd. That is, that is, that is, that is completely absurd. I have a very hard time seeing that as the way this whole thing ends. I immediately um, flashed to the Senate hearings in the Star Wars prequels. <laughs> and I'm like, God, no. <laughs> Oh no. That's oh I don't so okay. All right. So you but that so you've now had almost two years to think about it. Do you have a different answer for what breaking the wheel means? I just still don't think we do. I don't think anybody knows. And I think the suggestion that it's gonna be Tyrion as prime minister is unlikely. I'm sorry I laughed. Um Yeah, I I can't imagine it would be (sighs) so it's too clear cut, right? I still think there's going to be some ambiguity. I don't think we're going to have I mean, if George R. R. Martin says it's a bittersweet ending, you know, I'm imagining there'll be some sort of chaos or, you know, some sort of question question mark like i don't imagine we'll know oh this person's in charge and this is their vision and these are the followers no no way well and it's also hard to imagine that you know because every time i mean 
people have stopped saying, including Danny, seasons ago that, you know, the Targaryens had a peaceful, lovely reign, right? Because every time they said that, somebody else would be like, no, they come get the fuck out of here, right? <laughs> That's nonsense. And that point has been made over and over that these cycles of war and, you know, the, the, the lower class being taken advantage of and all these different things, the game of throw, it's a game to them. And every time the game gets played, thousands of people are killed. You know, and that is a major point, much, even more so in the books, you know, more explicitly in the books than it is in the show, even though I would think they've done a pretty good job of exhibiting that in the show. It's not hard to interpret, you know, that like hot pie, how is hot pie still alive? <laughs> I mean, that's not hard to figure out, right? Most of the people that are on his kind of social level don't make it past a season. You know? Right. And if they're alive, they're miserable. So, and they are subject to the whims mm -hmm. of others like, constantly, you know, and it's very hard for me to imagine that somehow that all gets, because it's such a significant aspect, especially of the books. So I, I am having a very hard time picturing a peaceful ending. I could almost see a character like Tyrion proposing something like that and being laughed out of the room. Now you know, you're talking, yes. Right, like for him to sort of take this sort of ultra pragmatic, well, if everyone had a say and we all came together, uh, you know, at every, you know, fortnight and what, <laughs> they'd be like, get the hell out of here. Right, right. <clears throat> and let's talk quickly about John and Arya. They, their hug was very nice. Did you like their hug? Did you have a feel about the hug? Loved it. Um Anyone who's read the books knows how each of the, you know, Arya feels about John and John feels about Arya because we get to be in their head. And, you know, it's so, such a pure familial sort of love. You know, I was going to say brother, sister, but <laughs> <laughs> it's not. <laughs> but it was really pure and it was really sweet and it was genuine. And it definitely gave me all the feels as a reader. So I kind of just was able to transfer that over to the show. And the show never steered me wrong with it. I feel like they, they did it justice. And that hug w was everything. Okay, but you know what's going to be even better? The first time he sees her fight. Yes. <laughs> it's going to be even better. Right? Because I'm sure he's heard at some point now, like, yeah, Arya can fight. Like, oh, yeah, I'm sure she can. But you don't think Arya can fight Brienne. <laughs> right. she's fearless you know any opponent she's she's already working out how she's gonna get you you know it doesn't matter who you are what you do your size nothing and he has a sense of it because he says how did you sneak up on me mm -hmm. right yeah and then she says how did you survive a stick through the heart yeah, you know what? I hope that we get a scene like that. I really do. Where not that he just sees it, but you know, we can get um, a reaction from him. Like we know what he thinks about it, not just you know a facial mm -hmm. expression. You would like to think so. So, Sandy, uh, we got another email here from Sandy who said, "I'm listening to the podcast right now. Wanted to mention a couple things uh, before I forget, since I'm an old lady." LOL. 
Her words, not mine. We are glad to have you, Sandy. Uh, first, about how Arya knew about John's stab through the heart. My best guess is Sansa told her, though it could have been Bran, but my sense is the sisters had a convo about that. It seems we're just supposed to assume certain conversations take place off screen like that after John and Sansa meet at Castle Black, where they seem to know something of the other's experiences without us being privy to the conversation. So I feel like there was a lot of that kind of stuff in this episode, and by necessity. Yes. Right? Did you, did you, did any of them stand out to you? Did any of them bother you? Did you think that I had was the same, well? I had the same exact thought, you know, how did she know? And then it's like, oh yeah, I guess. And it, you know, we kind of have to do a little legwork, but that's okay. You know, I would rather not waste time hearing a long story that we already know. That's the key thing to me that we already know. <laughs> like we saw all that stuff. Aria didn't. So it's kind of on Aria to Google that shit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. you know what? It would have been cool. I mean, one thing that I did sort of miss or wish I could have seen were some more realistic reactions to John coming back from the dead. But the time to do that would have been last season, you know? Yeah. That ship has sailed. I'm I'm over it. <laughs> and yeah. that's that. <clears throat> well, and his stance seems to just kind of be to laugh it off. You know, he she's like, How do you survive and say oh, I didn't, right? And he kind of did the same thing to to Danny, you know, kind of laughed it off, right? Mm-hmm. Like waka waka. You know, he even says at some point, like the North men are keen and flights of fancy or some crap like that you know um so i I don't think he really feels like he has to explain it to anybody because he can't right right i mean what are you supposed to say like you're gonna sound like a lunatic no matter what right yeah i i mean i guess the proof is in the pudding i'm standing here we're having a conversation so that's that yeah uh sandy had a similar comment about it's kind of similar but opposite about Bran. I do not believe at this point that anyone but he and Sam and now John know the truth about John's lineage. Could be wrong, but I haven't been able to see any good purpose to move the plot along by anyone else having that information at this time. Um, also about Bran, I think it's interesting how he seemed to be the one to move everyone into proper positions to move the plot forward. Very reminiscent of how Bloodraven operated, <clears throat> which I thought was an interesting point. So... Uh, there are conversations that are happening in the background, but are those conversations about John? Probably not, right? It seems like no. you would want to take that information to John first. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and I can't even imagine the circumstances where someone would just sort of bring that up in conversation. to, Because who does Sam really have a relationship with besides Brand and John? You know, to to basically say, you know, hey, guess what I found out? You're going to you're going to love this tea. Right. Like, sit down. (laughs) Right. Right. Well, I mean, I would think the only other person I could think of would be Gilly and and not even necessarily that he would like sit her down and tell her, but that she was present when he was working it out. Right. You know, so maybe she's not present because we haven't seen her at Winterfell. Right. So maybe she's not. Which fuck them for that but um but so because i like her uh but she was there not necessarily for the conversation with bran but the conversation with bran 
was probably filling in holes for for Sam, but it seemed like he had pieced together. I don't know, maybe not. Um, or I, think, I guess not, right? Because the information from the diary didn't mean anything to him until right. he totally sort of glazed <sighs> over it, and he needed. Bran was like the glue that put all the puzzle pieces together into something, you know, that that actually fit and made sense. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know if well, when word gets out, I hope it's as good as I think it could be. And is this the first secret that because little 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 Littlefinger's not here to find out anymore? Is this the first secret that Varys doesn't know? Oh, well, what if he does know? I mean, that was the only thing that I thought, like, if anybody would know who wasn't, you know, part of the, who wasn't actually a part of that little thing, it would be Varys, right? So, but there's no reason to think that Varys knows. Mm, Well, okay, let's, well, Varys worked for the Mad King, right, also. Mm -hmm. So he was in the castle, presumably with lots of little birds. So he might know... Right, the unknown at least, right? Because he would, right? Couldn't he have been aware of the fact that a marriage was annulled for God's sakes? Of course, of course, and he could be very much aware, even if he didn't know about the annulment of Rhaegar and Lyanna's budding relationship. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, if Varys of the show is as resourceful as Varys of the books, there is for sure a little bird that followed Rhaegar everywhere. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. And there's no indication that the whole Lyanna and Rhaegar thing was like love at first sight, like one week long, right? Like it, it, it's something that was ongoing for at least a little while. Before. Yeah, they don't give us much in terms of timelines, so I don't know. But, I mean, there's also no... but They don't give us much in terms of timeline, fair enough. But there has been a sense that they have a deep kind of relationship between the two of them. My only suggestion being it's something that didn't, like... They didn't, like, meet at the club on Wednesday and move in together on Friday. <laughs> right. Club <laughs> and beauty, uh, get a divorce. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, even if it's just a few months or something, my point would be that it would be long enough for Varys's birds to right, at to least be aware of the relationship. Right. Report back. So is it possible then that he is kind of a, a quantifier, like, you know, somebody who backs them up when wow, this information I mean- comes out? I guess he could probably tell Tyrion, like, you know, I knew this thing the whole time. <laughs> wow, that... See, I hadn't thought about him telling Tyrion. I had thought about him telling Danny, but you're right. He could just tell Tyrion. Oh, I think they'd probably... I think she'd want go into a rage if... She... <laughs> like... But Tyrion might be able to take that information, you know, and sort of let it sit and say, okay, do we say anything or no? So this is my question then. How do you think Danny's going to react? Furious, hurt. I think, you know, she's not the best at handling disappointment. <laughs> you uh-huh. know, she's got some room to grow there. Uh-huh. And, and she has grown as well. 
we'll, we'll acknowledge her growth. Okay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> or not. I, okay. I don't know about that. <laughs> I think she has that rage in her back pocket at her disposal when she needs it. And if she feels that she's been, you know, openly deceived and it also makes her look almost foolish, right? It's yeah. embarrassing to say, I'm your rightful queen. I'm the one you've been waiting on. I'm going to fix this whole thing. Um, hold on. I act, uh, I just want to add something. And <laughs> <laughs> You know, it completely undoes your whole argument. Well, now what? Right? That's kind of humiliating. Yeah. But she's recognizes the threat from the White Walkers because we've been talking for a while now and that had they haven't come up yet right no. which is <laughs> insane considering you know we're ignoring climate change here Tracy but so she is acknowledging that there, that that threat exists and that that threat is real and that that threat I guess that's not really true she hasn't actually acknowledged that that threat overrides her more terrestrial goals Absolutely. They're, they it are hand in hand. It's just that it has to come first. It's not like she has acknowledged that that's in any way more important. Right. I am the queen and we will fight the White Walkers with me as your queen. <laughs> mm. What do you think? Do you, how do you feel about the uh, semi-popular notion around that she's going to end up being the dragon, the, the White Walker queen? That she's going to die and marry the Night's King. What do you think about that? Whoa. Have you heard that idea? I have not. <clears throat> yeah. Well, so, so I'm sorry to interrupt, but there's an addendum. She becomes the queen, and then that way she can ride the dragon. Now, we've already seen the Night's King riding the dragon. Which is right. why some people say he's a Targaryen. Which, we're going to talk about that, too. I don't, I'm not feeling that at all. But... Uh, but basically that she would be, you know, kind of a more, she would be better at it essentially. <laughs> um, okay. So this is very sort of, it, it's like, isn't there a story about the Night's Watch where one of them marries a woman White Walker and I feel like there's some bit of lore sort of yeah. in the universe about that. So, uh, you know, I immediately thought about that. Um, um, it's interesting. It's hard for me to see it happen. I feel like the show, like that's maybe a layer too deep for them. <laughs> yeah. But I like it, right? And I don't think I would be shocked to read that, you know? Right, right. Well, so the, I mean, we have seen him make a walker out of a baby mm -hmm. right but we haven't seen him make a walker that's the only walker we've seen him make everything else has been white but he can presumably make walkers so the idea is that she would be a walker not a white you know and so she would be able to turn people herself um which i think visually would be pretty fucking dope yeah, it really would. <laughs> I think Danny the White Walker would be visually pretty incredible. 
that's the thing that like I, I think that would be really cool. Um, and riding the ice dragon would be completely badass too, you know. Um, so I like the idea a lot, actually. Um, and it also uh, solves the problem of her being mad at John straight away. And it also sets the battle as between her and John as opposed to between them and the Night's King. Uh, which to me makes a lot more sense, you know, <clears throat> that the end of this thing is fire and ice. Yeah. Uh, wow. You know. I'm going to have to d- tonight, <laughs> you know, as I'm drifting off this, I have a feeling that that's you planted a seed. Now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, there's, I, a, I need to work that out. I, I think, I think it's a cool idea. Um, and, and I think it fits with a lot of the different little elements you know, that we've seen so far. And I think that one way that you might be able to get it is that she is there. She has some sort of a moment where she connects to the dragon, the dead dragon, you know, or she tries to connect to the dead dragon and the dead dragon is dead and doesn't give a fuck and kills her. (laughs) So, you know, I don't something, but it seems to me like that would be her vulnerability. Um, if it comes down to having to kill one of her dragons or in some way, you know, um, because she's not really, and that's a part of, that's a question too, is, you know, the whites can be killed by fire, but we've seen the walkers walk through fire. Yes. So, but walking through fire and surviving a dragon blast, you know, is maybe not the same thing (laughs) that fire that he walked through was kind of on the ground and you know it's kind of low you know so it's it's not really clear so it seems like that would be a vulnerability of is she going to stab her dragon with a dragon glass dagger well that would be hard to do and also she's not really a dagger wielder that's not her thing taking a little break from mike and tracy thanks for all that awesome feedback everybody Man, it's awesome to hear all the ideas that people have. You know what else is awesome? Cufflinks.com. That was smooth, right? Go to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. Use code DVR20 to get 20% off your order. No minimum. You can use that code anytime. And go to cufflinks.com. I say slash DVR because it tells them that you heard about them from us. Keeps the podcast going. Communication, baby. That's the way we do. Use code GOT20 to get 20% off all Game of Thrones products, and they have awesome stuff over there. Just go peruse it and check it out. Now back to Mike and Tracy. There's also a theory I heard that I really liked that uh, the whole point of Arya having that dragon glass dagger is she's going to be the one who waxes the Night King, and she's going to do it with the same dagger that she did Littlefinger with. Um, That would be... It, as a standalone scene all by itself separated from the rest of this would be completely cool right but within the context of this story i'm not feeling that at all I, that doesn't make any sense to me the only way i could see that happening would be if she dies in the process it's a little too cool mm. you know she's so small she's so swift i think she could she could do it but you know, are we really going to have like Aria? Like, it's too perfect. I don't know. It's a little too perfect. And also, she's not really done any of that stuff. 
Like she's, you know, like everybody who's gone above the wall and who's gone and fucked with this dude. Like there's, you know, we got John, we got Danny, we got, you know, Torment, we got the Hound, we got all these different people that have gone and interacted with this. And she really hasn't dealt with it at all. And it's to me, it seemed kind of like an, an odd interjection um, and a little too perfect. Like you said, that's a good way to say it. Yeah, it's not that she doesn't have the talent, though, right? Like, I guess she just needs the White Walkers for Dummies book. And, you know, <laughs> she needs the okay, these are the rules. You got to go for the Walker because they're going to, you know, then the Whites will die. Like, you got to give her the background and then, you know, she'll kick ass. And, well, and so there's this is another part of the conversation that's going around is basically it's, you know, are the Walkers going to make it past Winterfell? Um, and it seems possible. So if that's the case, then we would see her interacting with them, you know? So I don't know how long it would take for me to like come around to the idea of seeing her with them and, and being like, all right, here we go. Now that's a part of this story too. Um, but the secondary question then is if she's not going to interact with the walkers, what's she going to do? You know, and I haven't figured that out, you know, I, I don't know what I want her to be doing if that's not it. Right. That's she's got to be fighting because she asked yeah. Andre to make that like whatever weapon. Oh yeah, she's got a spear now. Good call. That's right. She can throw a spear at him, but he. Can I mean, throw a somebody spear at her. You know, did a freeze frame, and I saw it on Twitter, and I was still like, I really need to see this thing in action. Like, I'm, I'm into this. I want to see uh, what she's got planned. Well, it looks like a spear, right? Except it's well, in but there's two like a pieces. detachable thing, right? Yeah. So why would it be in two pieces? All Is that may like, are springs invented yet? I don't know. Like all I can think about is Bruce Lee movies, and I hope that's what happens. I've never seen one. Don't judge me. Um, what are you thinking? What what happens in the Bruce Lee that? Oh, that's just a, like, there's all kinds of kung fu movies where somebody will, you've seen Kill Bill. It happens in Kill Bill, too. Um, maybe you haven't. I don't know. No, but, I have, but it's been okay, a while. Okay, there you go. So there's, it's, there's two different things. Sometimes you'll see people who will have a uh, samurai, you know, katana sword, and they will pull it out. And, and then the sheath is like kind of a, a metal or wood. And it's a significant, it's a large size. It's large enough to hold the sword. And so then they'll pull the sword out and, but they'll hold the sheath in the other hand. And so then you've, you, you've got, you can attack with both hands or you can defend with one hand and attack with the other hand. Right. Or, you know, it's, it's very common in, especially Kung Fu movies from the seventies and eighties to break a pool cue in half, you know, and then you've got two sticks, right? And so that way you can fight with both hands at the same time. But if you have one of them is a stick more or less, and one of them has an edge, you know, is a blade of some sort, right? The way that that drawing looks to me, then you're actually kind of doing different things with them. You know, one of them is more a defensive weapon and like a, a force weapon. And one of them is a blade, 
you know, where you're actually trying to cut somebody with it, but you're going to actually operate with them. They function differently. And it's a very, the reason why it's in a lot of movies is because it takes an enormous amount of skill to be able to do different things with your right and left hands at the same time. For sure. I mean, that's not, that's not first grade stuff. Right. And so when they, when they get some, an actor who can do it, they make, they take pictures of it, you know, they put it in the movie. Right. Um, so that's what it looked like to me. But there is an advantage also to being able to put it together and use it then as something that you could throw. Um, but I don't know. I think he's going to have to text her later for further instructions because it wasn't really clear. No. <laughs> well, you know, I'm sure they'll be looking forward to spending some time together going over drawings. <laughs> Uh, all right so weigh in are we gonna see aria banging gendry no 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 sex no 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 way for aria no sex for aria no no why no (laughs) i don't know i kind of it's weird right because she seems so asexual but there was definitely a spark. She seems asexual. Most of the time, but not in that scene. <laughs> I totally agree, man. It's a, it's another hard left turn for me. I don't know how to process it exactly. Um, but I felt like it was it was a bit aggressive and optimistic to interpret that se- as sexual. Like she like turned around and looked at him and like kind of winked at him once. Yeah, it was <laughs> like it was a little like it's not like she grabbed his balls, you know what I mean? It wasn't like I don't know. It seemed it seemed like it was a little overinterpreted to me. Um, you know what? It actually, you know, and a lot of people have said this already. How there are so many parallels to the pilot. Um, remember how Sansa looked at Joffrey when she first saw him? Hmm. Right. Like, here's a girl who this is probably the first boy where she's like, okay, yes. Yes. Hello. You know, like it was almost like that. Like, okay, hello. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's a very good point. That's not something that she would necessarily be good at. Right. No, no practice at all. Yeah. That's fair enough. And it's like, but like Gendry is like, he's an iron worker or whatever, he's definitely hit some, right? I mean, he's gone to a couple of brothels, don't you think? You don't think I... he's like, he's, he's hit the red light district at some point in his, I mean, <clears throat> so I'd be interested to see kind of, because she doesn't present herself sexually really. And, and it always seemed like their relationship was a little bit more sibling like, right? They're always kind of, like fucking with each other and even here he's like calling her milady or whatever right and if that's like him snapping her bra strap <laughs> it seems it it is though if you remember when they kind of first had their little tiff about that you know who she really was he kind of made a comment about that and a lot of people you know the shipping began way back then and if you remember right from the book there was always this like sibling relationship until that one scene you know where it's like huh 
uh, by the where they had the Battle of the Bells. Yeah. Do you remember that interaction? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it wasn't much, but if you're reading closely, right, like there's definitely subtext there where you're like, does he like her? Does she like him? What's going on? Huh. <clears throat> so maybe they'll just tease at it, right? I really don't expect to see, you know, a date. Um, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> I, I do not expect any explicit, you know, a showing of affection, but I definitely think the people who make this show know that the fandom loves a good ship. Yeah. And if we'll ship Sansa and the Hound, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Arya and Gendry is going to be easy, right? <laughs> oh my God. What a journey this has been. Arya and the, or Sansa and the Hound. Holy shit. All right. Uh, let's have another email. Let's have an email from Bill. God, this is, I now I can't. I don't know what to do with this Aria, sexual Aria. Because I keep thinking, like, surely that was a part of her training as a way to, you know, throw people off. You know what I mean? And we've actually seen her do that with, who was the kid toucher she got? Was that Marin Trant? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right? supporter of Podcast Winterfell. So we've seen her actually employ that skill, you know, and so I, but it's a different thing, I guess, to be an actor and at work in a way. If your work is murdering pedophiles, <laughs> it's a good job if you can get it. Um, then to be kind of like ha- in a situation where you are having feelings that are genuine, right? That are of your own, of your own totally different and difficult to control. Right. Yeah. And also how old is she? I don't know. (laughs) I I mean, going to try to, I don't know. (laughs) It's never really been clear, but I mean, how old is she? Like she's, you know, 16. I mean, we get Sansa's age at some point, right. In the beginning. Yeah. When she marries Tyrion, we get her age too, right? Yes. And that was probably 16 then, maybe. So I'm thinking that she's like... So maybe Arya's 15 now? Around that? Right. So, I mean, that's another thing that... Mm. I mean, <laughs> I know some people grow up fast, but... Well, you know, I mean, in the book, she's, what, nine or whatever, ten? Right. So... Right. Uh, you know, she's a, she's a woman grown. <clears throat> well, and by grow up fast, I mean some people like <clears throat> are more emotionally mature than other people at different ages and all that kind of stuff, right? But it's like I feel like we kind of some of us are are more kind of emotionally mature in areas that we have a lot of experience in at a younger age, right? Because not everybody has experience in whatever your thing whatever fucked you up when you were a kid, you know, not everybody had experience in that thing that you did. And so you can be mature in certain areas at a younger age and still be age appropriately mature in other areas that you don't have much experience in. Does that make sense? I mean, it does, but I don't even know if in, in the terms of a show, 
how much that really even matters, right? Like, I think it's whatever pushes the story forward and makes the most sense and gives us satisfaction. That's it. Aria is real, and I am going to be her therapist after she gets out of this situation. <laughs> Tracy, support me. All right, let's have a, an email. <laughs> Bill. <laughs> uh, hey, Tracy, Mike, glad to have you back. So I'm wondering your thoughts on the timeline for season eight. How many weeks, months, or years will it encompass? If we go as far as nine months, I'm thinking Euron may be Cersei's demise if she has another golden-haired child. There's a lot that we could unpack there. Yes. A lot. Great questions. <laughs> or we could keep it fairly tight. But either way, I'm interested in your thoughts on that. So, I mean, timeline-wise, I could definitely see a time jump for the either last or last two episodes. Because I feel like how things take time you know so like even if we get a sort of winner in all of this it's going to take some time for them to become the the ruler that they're they want to be and i want to see that you know i don't want to just say like oh yay they conquered and they're sitting on the throne end of story right i i want to know a little bit more so ideally yeah we're gonna go ahead like maybe a year wow but are we so are we gonna you said time jump though so mm -hmm. you're talking about like you know the battle ends let's just for shits and giggles say six weeks from now and then we jump to a year or we could say the battle ends you know six weeks from now and then six months from now cersei's super pregnant and some other shit goes down and then three months after that we actually get the ruler and then three months after that we're at the end do you, you know what i mean like are we talking about a jump of significant portions or are we going to work our way there um i mean i was thinking maybe like more of an epilogue style where there's just one jump but hey I, I mean tell the best story that you can and i think a time jump would probably be good like i don't want us to tread water here if there's a story to tell tell it jump do you think <laughs> you there's know, how be... many battles are we gonna watch well that's that's a question and do you think it's gonna be in episode two episode four episode six like when do you think is there going to be one battle? Like, what do you think the kind of, how do you think all that's going to play out? I would imagine episode three-ish will have a battle and then maybe another one or two. You know, kind of like White Walker and then the scramble for power. And then once that happens, it's the sort of the fallout. Like, I need to see that. Secondary question. What does the Golden Company have to do with fucking anything, bro? What, is, what are you even doing here? Who, do, who are you? Like, what? I don't even understand. How did you even get? Who let you in? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's very hard for me to picture how the Golden Company somehow gets to be relevant to our story at this point. Which Given means the things that they've cut. I did not expect them to bring them in. Okay, let's say the thing that they cut. This is some book spoiler stuff, right? This is some book stuff. But, I, I mean, 
it's been cut. It may or may not. We have no idea if it's going to be relevant to the books. Right. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Okay. So say, so let's so talk about that. I mean, I honestly, we don't have that much to go on. It's just, you know, there's a character or two, right. That are deeply entwined with these, um, with the uh, damn, I can't think of their name. The sellsword companies, but like, if they're not here, I, I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't know. There, there's basically another potential Targaryen. Um, there's another potential Targaryen who is saying that he's got a claim to the throne in the books, and that they've just completely excised from the show altogether. Which I personally, that's a decision that I've always been fine with. I, I don't yeah, think. Yeah. I don't think the show missed it at all. I didn't miss it at all. I don't think I would miss it if it was gone from the books, but we'll see where it goes. Like, that's the thing is we don't know where it goes and you have to give George the respect to say, you know, it might be end up somewhere awesome. Who knows? But they've excised that character out of it altogether. And that character is wrapped up with the golden company and some of the other sellsword companies. And so those, they have more of a place. And so, okay. So, if we're going to talk about a little bit of crossover here, book to show stuff, then obviously they know things about what's going to be in the books that we don't know. So there could end up being some part that the Golden Company or the Sellswords in general have to play mm -hmm. in the end that we just can't lose, that they can't do without. Right. Or so maybe just specifically Harry Strickland or, you know, some other named character we might meet. Right. And so they've come up with this other way to get them there, which is via Cersei, because their whole situation is or they're already there in the books. Maybe they're already there. And the Targaryen situation ends up getting worked out one way or another. We know how George usually works things out as people get their <laughs> something cut off that they can't do without. Uh, and then Cersei ends up hiring them because they're already there. You know, so it's not a situation where you have to bring them over, blah, blah, blah. But who knows? But it, it just it's very hard for me to picture from here them having a significant impact. I, I mean, I see how she's why she's planning the way she's planning. Right. It makes perfect sense from her perspective. That's a great idea. All these people are going to be dead. She also I, I, it's hard. Just, do you think she believes, even after she's seen the white? Do you think she actually believes that it's a threat? Because if she understand, if she really believes that it's a threat, then she would understand the math that every person they kill then goes and works for them, <laughs> <laughs> right? That is really clean math. You don't have to be good at math to understand that. So the fact that she's not acting like that's the case makes me think. You know what I mean? Or, or. Do you think that she does believe that that's the case and she just thinks the dragons are the best chance to defeat it and she has no control over them, so what would she go there for anyway? Right. I think she's just... She and maybe Kyburn probably worked out some contingency plans. And, you know, if by chance these dragons don't work out, you know, I'm sure she, she has it where she still survives. She'll give it her best effort. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that's but you you've got to come to her, basically. If, if you wanna, if, if you're a White Walker and you think you're gonna kill all of us, you got to come down here. I'm not coming to you. That's crazy, right? <laughs> like no. How are you feeling and, about Kyburn right now? 
Axel's Axel's putting a lot of weight on Kyburn's shoulders right now, I have to say. Axel is counting on Kyburn to see the light and become a good guy and figure out a way to like basically just make it so the whites don't exist anymore. Like Kyburn, just Mr. Vivisection. Yeah, Axel's putting a lot on 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 Team Kyburn right now, and I'm having a hard time seeing through to his perspective on it. How are you feeling about him? Because he does, uh, to give to Axel's point, he does seem to be like you know he said to Braun, like she made me hand to the king, you know, blah blah, right? Like I'm, she's treated me very well, but he seems to be a little bit more hesitant these days when talking to Cersei directly. I don't know. I mean, I'm not getting that sense. Um, but when he says, you know, oh, she has other plans for the Targaryen girl, I'm imagining they're cooking up something awful for Daenerys. Like, I don't think he's worried about anything for the greater good. No, yeah, he's a bad guy, right? We, we <laughs> I don't know what he's... Uh, yeah, Axel, I don't know where... I'm not sure where Axel's coming from on this, but he's okay. I, I'm glad you and I are on the same page with that. I mean, uh, if there's if there's somebody you want on your team, it's Kyburn. So I get it, wanting him to fight for you know the side of the living, but I don't know if that's where his allegiance lies. Yeah. Uh, okay, my Cersei prediction. Uh, and this follows a little bit of Axel too. Axel is making a point that um, that there's he doesn't think all the wildfire is gone, and I think that that's that's something that I thought about too. And it relates to uh, a story I was reading actually recently about when Alexander was was taking over Persia. And the last Persian king, I think his name was Artaxerxes III, is in his palace, and Alexander's army is sacking the city. And the king, he knows it's done, and he's the last of his lineage, right? Like, he's, there's no more after that, you know? Alexander's Macedonian. He's coming from a whole other part of the world, and he's raping and pillaging and doing his thing. And so he knows that this is the end of their dynasty. It's not just the end of his life or the end of his family line. It's the end of this dynasty. And he has his servants make a big pyre and pile up as all the valuables, everything that was like in his private throne room, everything that was in the, you know, the areas where the public would actually see the king, every, anything that the king had ever touched, basically. <clears throat> they put it all together in this big pyre, and then he sat down in the middle of it, and they light the whole thing on fire. Right. And so he commits suicide. But in the midst of his suicide, he's taking all of this stuff with him. Right. And it's an offering to his gods. And it's a way to deprive Alexander's armies of all of this stuff. And, you know, so and and this is just the example I was reading about recently that is very colorfully written about and, and really great. But there's many examples of this through history, right? And we've seen stuff like this in this show. We saw Khal Drogo get, you know, his best horse and right, and a bunch of other stuff, and they piled it all up, including his living wife, and they put <laughs> it all together in this, right? And they lit it all on fire, and they that was how they disposed of his body. And then when his wife doesn't die, that's the beginning of us understanding her divinity and kind of what she's bringing to the table. It bursts the dragon. Like it's a big moment, 
right? And and so I, to me, like, there's I don't know. It seems to me obviously George is aware of this thing, you know. And I like the idea of Cersei basically just destroying King's Landing after she really understands that there's no nothing left, you know. There's and she's but she's not the kind of person who's just gonna, you know, drink poison wine. Right, mm-hmm. like she's gonna kill everybody who lives there. <laughs> like you thought the sept was bad, and we're gonna have a poison gas cloud, and nobody's gonna be able to grow wheat for ten years. <laughs> you know. <clears throat> so Axel thinks a similar thing. Actually, I found out as I was listening, but he thinks it's gonna be an accident. He thinks she's gonna be prepping to blow the whole place up, and something's gonna go wrong, and it's gonna kill her. Right. Or she's going to blow up on accident. I oh, think she's wow. going to blow up on purpose. What if Cersei uses the wildfire to maybe do what you're thinking, right? Like, just get rid of it all. But she ends up killing all the White Walkers and she becomes the savior. <laughs> and the people are like, we love her now. Well, that was part of what Axel's idea was, basically, was that she was going to draw them. She was going to think she was going to draw them all to King's Landing. And then she was going to kill them all with the wildfire once she got them all there. And that something was going to go wrong and she was going to die also. Uh, That's, you know, I just, that's not bittersweet, dude. That's rude. (laughs) That's like, (laughs) I just... I don't want to say that's utterly impossible, obviously, because what do I know? But I, it just seems to me like a vindictive way to finish this thing off. I don't know. Do you like that idea? I mean, what do you think? How do you think? How is she involved? Because right now, she seems irrelevant. Her army is all burned up. Everybody left but Kyburn in the mountain. You know, I don't understand how the Golden Company gets involved. Just because they haven't been a part of the story so far, it seems so weird that now we're supposed to give a shit about the Golden Company? (laughs) It just seems impossible to me. It's another reason why it makes more sense for her to burn everything to the ground, because they could just go with it. Hmm. I I mean... It almost means that there has to be an additional battle down there. Otherwise, you know, like the battle for power. Yes. Because why would you need them? You know, like it just. And what a dumb inter, like what I don't like, and maybe it's going to be great. I'm just having a very hard time picturing how we're supposed to have this monumental battle for the very fact of existence itself. People are talking about snow and ice and Essos. You know what I mean? Like, this is a battle for the the fact of consciousness. Holy crap. But now we're going to, like, now we also have to go, like, fight Cersei. Crappy-ass Cersei, who's just been crappy Cersei this whole time. You know what I mean? Like, when was the last time you gave a shit about Cersei's interests? And, like, now she wants to kill her brother. Like, I don't know. I mean, I'm curious to see where this is heading, but she's, as much as I love the character generally, as of right now, she's probably at the bottom of my list of concerns. 
Dude, it's all so incredibly petty. Like, and and if you have been listening to John, like his whole mission for the last three seasons has been to convince people that that whole thing is petty, and it's been working. Right? He's got everybody but her. Now, even Jamie freaking Lannister is going to talk to Bran because he's on, right? I mean, how uncomfortable is that going to be? And he's going to do that because now he's on board with the idea that this is an actual existential threat. It's, I just, I don't see how we go back to it. I think that she has to just die. And she's going to be dramatic and she's going to kill a bunch of people and whatever. But I just don't see, and this is part of why I don't think that Arya is going to kill the Night King. Because I think at some point Arya is going to like realize that she's slightly out of her depth and she's going to head back south and whack Cersei. Really? So you think she would leave <laughs> while the Night King is like actively? I don't think. To... I don't. Yeah, because I don't really. This is not her thing. Like standing on a rock, swinging a sword at a thousand assholes. <laughs> like that's just not. She's she's stealthy. You know what I mean, John? How did you sneak up on me? Like she's using other people's faces. You know, she's. If anything, if there's a way for me to make sense out of the whole thing with her and Sansa, and Littlefinger from last season, it's that she was basically directing it, using misdirection. You know, and trying to throw him off. Right. Because that's the game that she learned to be an actor, you know, to make faces. Right. And so it's very hard for me to to see how that figures into because the only way we've seen anybody fight the White Walkers or the whites is just with a big ass sword, just willy nilly, unless you got a dragon. Right. I mean, that's really (laughs) that's what we've seen. Yeah, there's no stealth to it. There's no, you know, when John killed one, it was in a panic. Or I mean, when Sam killed one, it was in a panic. Yeah. You know, that's just not how Arya does her thing. Like, I can easily see Brienne tapping into that thing. Yes, yes. Right? There's a bunch, you can easily see Gendry. Gendry goes above the wall with him with his big ass hammer, and you're like, obviously. Right? But it's just, I don't feel that way about Arya. It makes a lot more sense for her to Mm. go south and kill Cersei. Unless well, there's the kill Yeah, I don't disagree with you. It's just not something I've thought about, you know, but you're definitely right about her style, right? She's definitely more of the behind the scenes. I mean, heck, just when they were all approaching and it's like, where's Arya lurking somewhere? Yep. Blending in. Mm-hmm. Yep. So... Yeah, hey, that's my thought. All right, uh, Bill's got some more here. Some notes on the episode. Daenerys took me out of it a few times with some weak dialogue. What does a dragon eat? Whatever it wants. Where do I hold on wherever you can? Agreed. Oh. Uh, I thought whatever it wants was great. I thought wherever you can was pretty lame. Like, it was a weird... Because whatever, whatever they want, like, in the moment, worked for me. Uh, as far as Dragonglass, I'm assuming they have to nail the White Walkers killing the Whites that were turned by each like in Season 7 White Gathering Expedition. That's just not enough glass or soldiers to defeat them if that's not the case. And yeah, I think that's pretty clear. You go for the head of the snake. 
um, the question is, if you kill the Night King, does that kill all the whites in the same way that killing the white turns the walkers or, you know, right? Kill, does that kill all the walkers in the same way that killing a walker kills the whites? Um, that would be, mm, would that be too easy? Uh, no, because you've got an endless amount of them and you do the same thing that happens the two or three other times they fought them, which is the same thing they did when they were fighting the free folk before that, which is. No, not the whites. Not, like, yes, I expect them to die when you kill a walker. But I mean, the other blue eyed guys, like, I don't oh. know, you know, like, would they also die or are they sort of like did they break off on their own tree, you know, and have their own little. I think they die also because I think that you're in that, that, like I say, you're building up the same situation where everybody's just drowning in mud and, and zombies. And then one person lands one lucky strike and the whole thing is, is done. So I do think it makes the most sense because it's just a way to like flip a switch um, as opposed to having to go hunt down each and every one, you know? So. All right. Well, this will be interesting to see. Yeah. I mean, <sighs> I'm glad for it because watching them mow down these whites would just be boring, boring, boring. Yeah. I think we've, they've proved that they can do that, you know? Yeah. Let's just, who, who wins? Right. <laughs> can we just, <laughs> right. Right. Who, who's winning and who's the hero? And okay. Now let's start from there. Good. Let's and go. <laughs> right, right. Show All me right. A couple of cool battles, just just a little bit, <laughs> just to get a taste. Show me Brienne being cool and strong and brave. Show me John. You know, give me a few familiar faces, and then let's get to it. Yeah, and then I'm like, we're ready. We're we've been in and we've been paying attention. And you can't be a fan of this show without being a like weird fan of the show. <laughs> so <laughs> make it work. You know. Uh, Bill had one more question, basically, uh, about, <sighs> all right, this, I'm not feeling this, but we're going to, we have to talk about it because lots of people are talking about it. Thoughts on the White Walkers. They've walked through fire. The Night King rode a dragon and the sigil was reproduced with the young Umber. Are they original Targaryens? I don't necessarily, I think people are over-interpreting the sigil in terms of the Targaryen thing. I realize that they both are round. But, you know, a lot of people make round art. <laughs> like, I don't really, like, there are many, many symbols that are round and involve a circular kind of swirling pattern. And I, I didn't necessarily, I think that's a bit of over-interpretation there. I also, the Targaryens came from Volantis, right? Like. Yeah, they weren't, they weren't there at Westeros yet. As far as we know, right. there's no reason. <laughs> right? So that to me seems like... <clears throat> and, and, But the one thing is... Right? He did ride that dragon. He, he did, did ride that I, dragon. I mean... <sighs> so the, the sigil. The, you know, it looking like the sigil. Did... It definitely made me think Targaryen right away. Did that happen for you? No. Okay. So as soon as I saw it, I didn't think it was that. You know, I didn't think that's what they were trying to do, but I definitely was reminded of it 
very quickly. I thought, oh, that looks just like the Targaryen thing. But I thought they were just being clever. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that they were planting a seed, you know? Um, yeah, that's just not ringing true for me. But who knows? It makes a lot more sense that it's a Stark, doesn't it? Which yeah. is, as far as I know, the main, the most popular theory up until the fact of the sigil. I mean, I see the Starks as being one of the oldest families. Um, I don't, well, now I'm thinking about the books, but I should not. Um, <laughs> in the show, yeah, that's how they make it seem. Right, they make it seem like these old names, they're the ones who sort of crossed over and settled first and gave a bunch of shit to the children of the forest. And the Targaryens didn't have anything to do with none of that. No, not I mean that's certainly not how I interpret any of that. No. Right. So <clears throat> I don't really see how to me, that seems like a distortion of the timeline. Is that on the internet? Is that like going on? And like, if I go to Reddit, yes, we'll... yes, yes. Hmm. Okay, yeah. maybe I'll. You know, I have a half day tomorrow, so maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, maybe and the, two, the two main things that attach it, and of course, other people are always going to come up with lots of other ones. But the two main ones that people are kind of settling on is the shape of the sigil and the fact that he rode the dragon. And as far as we know, only Targaryens ride dragons, or at least only people from Volantis ride dragons. And the only people from Volantis that we've seen ride dragons are Targaryens. Did the showrunners say that? Say that only Targaryens can ride dragons? No, I said that only people, as far as I understand it, from Volantis can ride dragons. And the only people we've seen ride dragons are the Targaryens. So it has been interpreted that the only people who can ride dragons are the Targaryens. Mm. And this is one of the things that proves that John is a Targaryen, is the fact that he can ride right. the dragon. But they, if they were gonna, putting a lot of weight on that. Ah, but if you're going to let that ride, mm-hmm. then <laughs> you've got to acknowledge and explain why the Night King can then ride a dragon. I think you can get away with that because I think that it seems like the Night King and the White Walkers have a kind of control over the people, the whites that they turn. Right. Um, we don't see them barking out directions. You know what right. I mean? It's almost ingrained. There like... seems to be some sort of an ESP or right. They're, they, to me, it seems more like they're controlling them, you know, the way that you would um, a prosthetic, mm-hmm. right? Uh, a prosthetic right. limb or something. Y- you think it, it knows it, that's it. And so that would be the way that he can basically take over or fly or in some way utilize the dragon. But he could not do that to one of the living dragons. He could not just get up on one of the living dragons with that understanding of it. The only way he can do it is because he turned it. Yeah, I, I like that much better than him being a Targaryen. 
Wow. I, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to check out Reddit tomorrow. <laughs> see, you know, like, I, and I'm sure people have, like, you know, basically written pages and pages about this. So I definitely want to see it because I'm not convinced. I don't have enough evidence to, to make that leap. Especially if we saw, right, like that guy in the forest... Why did he think he was a Targaryen? Right? Like, I don't know. He didn't have silver hair. No. He didn't look like like them at all. The Targaryens all have silver hair. Mm, Yeah. All right. I don't like it now. (laughs) So, you know, to me, it has to... I mean, it's worth acknowledging because of the writing of the dragon. More than the sigil. But Mm -hmm. I don't like it. Don't make no sense to me. Uh, all right. We got one more email. This one is from Joe Bear, uh, who's been sending us email for the longest time, and I'm super happy he's back for season eight, obviously. Hey, my watch has just ended, and now here are my thoughts. Uh, it seems like they're building up tension between John and Danny. As soon as the scene with Danny and Sam played out, I was thinking it could be there so later she can say Sam is making up what he says about John's parents because he's mad at her, right? And, and I think we, you know, we kind of talked about that earlier. And, and your point was that if he wanted to be mad at her, he could be mad at her for other things that are not personal. Yes. Uh, but he, I mean, it does what he's saying here does make a lot of sense in terms of making a dumb TV show, which is that now he's mad because she burned his father. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they do that a lot. It's almost like when um, Arya killed Meryn Trant, right? They had to make him a pedophile. Mm -hmm. He's already a jerk. (laughs) Right? He's already terrible. We already hate him. He was right there when her father was killed. Like, he's awful. But no, now we have to make him irredeemable so Arya can kill him. You know, it's like, no, sometimes people just, you know, like, Sam is a logical guy. If he feels like Danny's not making sense, let him come out and say it. Well, and Joe goes on to point out that between that and Sansa's you know, not really understanding or, or wanting Danny to be there. Resentment is the word that he used toward Danny. Um, that you've got, you know, drama uh, uh, within the, the, the land of the living, you know. So, and he goes on to talk about the possibility of Danny ending up becoming the Ice Queen as well, um, which he seems to like. So, and, and, you know, I think that it's, to me, it's a, it's a hard leap from you know Sam sad about his brother and Sans is not comfortable with her taking over the mom and dad's quarters to Danny's the ice queen <laughs> like there's going to need to be something between here and there for me you know because it doesn't seem to me like there's enough kind of drama there to like what are they going to do he points out a, you know there could be a possibility where Sansa could somehow save Danny but that's hard to see in the pitch of battle for me and I'm kind of gl- I'm glad you brought it up because this reminds me of something that the writers did a few seasons back with Osha and Mira when they were with Bran and how they had the two women together and they didn't like each other. 
for no real good reason. And mm-hmm. they would just argue, argue, argue. And Brand would say, guys, come on, stop fighting. And it just turned my stomach because I did not <laughs> understand why they were doing this. And now, again, there's this, like, tension. And it's not even for concrete things. It's just, ew, I don't like her. Uh, like, and I feel like, come on, guys, do better. Be better than this. Well, you know, you there, there are reasons for them to not trust each other. Let's focus on those. Right. And you want to give them the benefit of the doubt, but we gave them the benefit of the doubt with the whole Sansa and Arya thing all last season, and then it was dumb. So, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) uh, I mean, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt, as usual, but they've disappointed me before. Uh, He's got another great question. Do you think John is immune to fire? Do you think we'll see either they have some kind of a ceremony in Winterfell or at the end of the battle he is engulfed in flames and comes walking out of the smoke alive and is the one true king? Because if he can fly the dragon, again, this is back to the things we know about the Targaryens, right? But do we know of other Targaryens that are immune to fire? If we poured gold down Danny's mouth, (laughs) would that kill her? (laughs) (laughs) well okay so i do believe the showrunners have explicitly said immune to fire danny yes or she hmm is it her or is it oh damn it (laughs) (laughs) wow i'm gonna just go with danny right uh that's probably what they were talking about her specifically you know i remember when george r R. martin came out and said you know her being fireproof was a one-off right that was just this big moment whereas they are not as sensitive to heat as a regular person would be that doesn't mean fireproof right but in the show, they, I guess for simplicity's sake, right, they said, okay, she can't be burned. John, on the other hand, in but season she, oh, one. Okay. So, I'm sorry, the one-off is when she comes out of Drogo's Yes, thing. the pyre. Right. From George's that's the, perspective, that's the yes. one-off. Okay. He said okay. that was a one-time thing. She is not fireproof. Okay, okay. Period, right. John, in season one is burned by the the lantern when that first white shows yes, up. Yes, he is. Yeah, he is. And he's he definitely like cries out, you know, like he feels it. He he it it bothers him. Now, is this you know, not great storytelling on their part, you know, or no. is this No, their, that's that's a very good point, and that's a very specific moment, and he has to be treated for it in a next episode. That's not a fucking accident. I, that's a very good point. I hadn't thought about that. And I, yeah. mean, I remember in the book, right, like his burnt hand was like freaking every <laughs> thing for a while. Every freaking thought it was like, oh, and my hand too. Yes, <laughs> yes. for a while. Yes, so he is not immune to fire, but he can fly on a dragon. But he can, yeah. Well, he's half, right? <laughs> well, right, and that's another thing. He's half, and they were on some brother-sister shit, right? 
Right. Daenerys is like straight up Targ, right? <laughs> right. So, and that's part of the explanation for the Mad King, right? I mean, that that's in the books, at least. That's part of the explanation for the Mad King is that they've been inbreeding for 300 years. And what do you think that does to people between that and having power and access to dragons? And, you know, I mean, that, what do you think that does? Like, that makes people nuts. Now, we're not going to explain how somehow Rhaegar and, you know, uh, Danny turned out apparently fine. We're supposed to care about them. But, right. <laughs> you know, so it's kind of that specter is invoked. Hmm. Hmm. So, I mean, you know, maybe that trait didn't pass along. I mean, look, it's, it's certainly possible. But I do definitely remember him being burned in season one, for sure. Yeah. And especially in the books. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple more from Joe Bear. Do I think Braun is going to kill the Lannister brothers with the crossbow? No, but I bet he will use it to either kill Cersei, Kyburn, or better yet, what if he shows up while the Mountain and Hound are fighting and uses it to save the Hound? Man, people want the fucking Clegane Bowl still. I thought of that because of what he said in the rewatch about the Hound and Braun having some history from the Blackwater. And even in this episode, Kyburn brings up Braun's Blackwater title. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think is going to happen with this crossbow? There's no way Bronn would kill, I, 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 kill Jamie or Tyrion. I can't see that. No way. <laughs> right? I mean, no way. The, but it's definitely, you know, Chekhov's crossbow. <laughs> um, and Bronn... Braun is for sure someone that they use to do impressive things, right? Yeah. He's been impressing us since we met him. So I guess I don't think it it would be narratively strong if he killed Cersei with it because, you know, not counting real life history, their connection isn't really strong. Um what is that? you two with the fucking real life? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. If that I is... were, if I were Lena Headey and I read in that script that Bron killed me, I'd I'd call my agent immediately. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got to. Oh my god, this is so ridiculous. As I understand it, because I just heard it a couple of days ago on podcast Winterfell. So if you heard this too, oh, my really. <laughs> As I understand, yeah, I didn't know this. Apparently, the actor who plays Braun used to be in a pop band that is similar to like Wham, like Take Me Out Before You Go Go. Like, yes, you yes. know, right? Super 80s pop. And he apparently used to date Lena Headey when she was, I don't know. 14. Maybe they're closer in age than they look. I don't have any idea. Anyway, apparently it didn't end well. And now, even though they're both on this show, they can't be in the same room together. Correct. Which makes me think that probably Braun doesn't get invited to the Christmas party, is my <laughs> guess. I don't could be wrong, but that's my guess. So that is why, for instance, Kyburn came to Braun and mm-hmm. gave him the crossbow instead <laughs> of having him come to Cersei to get the instruction. Right. Because, and they have not had a scene together, right? Those no, two characters. Even though Braun has been in service of the Lannisters for like five seasons now, six, something like we that. We meet him in the first season. Okay. Oh so, wait, wait, no, second, second season. I... So, 
so you this is true as far as you know all of this is real this 80s mm-hmm. i mean i know you can quantify the pop band but like how do you has has one of them said it in public that they can't be in the same room together or like how do we know this information i don't know but i mean i heard about this years ago okay yeah like this has been going around for a long time and nobody has come out to say not true you know bs we do this every season where i'm like okay did you know this about broad (laughs) (laughs) and i just forget by the next season (laughs) i don't remember okay so you're saying it hasn't been denied right well then i guess that makes it true Wow. Okay. That's amazing. So, yes. <laughs> so your point is that knowing that actual real life walking around information, if you're Sir, if you're Lena Headey and you find out you're going to be killed by Braun and that's the first scene you two are going to appear in <laughs> together, you're going to call the agent and say, fuck that. Not never going to happen. Yeah. Right? You're going to have to use that terrible body double CGI face thing you did for the walk (laughs) and have Braun kill that lady instead of me. Heck yeah, because no, we are not doing this. (laughs) So, I I don't know. But I also feel like... I think that makes a lot of sense. He doesn't... I mean, he's not... You know, he's never been Cersei's biggest fan, but I mean, to feel like he needs to turn on her and kill her, I just don't see... Braun doing that but I do see him yes using that crossbow for some greater purpose you know or like something that's going to impact more people well the thing is if he's going to go try to find Jamie and fucking Tyrion they're in the same place which is up there where there's about to be a big dumb fight so I mean it seems to me like it's not that hard to work out what he's going to do with the crossbow. He's going to shoot it. At so, you know what I mean? Like is right. gonna... we, we get a dragon glass tip, right? right? On the arrow and boom. We And that we saw Gendry when, they, you know, we saw him pour out five arrowheads. Yep. Out of the, the mold in the workshop. So, you know, that could just be nothing. Or those could be going to Braun, which he's going to, right? That mm-hmm. seems to me like a pretty easy one too, and also Braun can kill like maybe one of the walkers, and that yeah. like saves a little group of people that you know because he controlled those whites or whatever, and that's a good thing for Braun to do, but not frankly above his station. Killing Cersei's out of his fuck. Come on, like that's yeah. out of his league as a character, to be honest. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. He's he's punching above. The, no. So I think, yeah. I love, and you know what? I never thought that Braun would be as important as he is. But they've done a great job with the character, right? And most of the time he's saving scenes, even when he's being completely immature and you know, making dumb jokes about sex and this and that. So I'm glad that he's probably going to have a a big part to play, but yeah, not killing Cersei. I feel like that is an actor who wrote himself a job. Mm -hmm. Who like showed up with like four shitty lines and did them so well, he's still working. (laughs) Like, I don't, you know, it's, I feel like he's, he is, yeah, he's saving scenes. 
um, because he's good. So it, his third and final thought is is basically going back to the whole Arya and Gendry thing, right? And we already talked about that, and I don't, I'm not interested in going back to it. And then he says something, and this is what people do when they send their fucking two cents. You know, there's all you you think you're done with a thing. You know what I mean? Like you think you've processed a subject and then somebody, no, you're not done. Maybe they are just setting up things so later Arya can make the choice to forego normal people things in order to be the faceless warrior she knows she has to be. So maybe it's not actually about creating some sort of awkward sex scene between Arya and Gendry, but it is about creating even just the potential of some sort of extra personal relationship, Mm -hmm. which how many of those has she had? Like, you know, her father, not really even John, like John for like 10 minutes. (laughs) Right. And then her father and then Sirio and then Jockin and who else? Um, I guess the night's watch guy. Yorin, like you know, but kind of the hound, maybe right. Um, so so it's more about the choice and some internal conflict, and I really like that because I think Gendry is probably the only character besides John, maybe who could make her question this whole I'm a cold blooded killer persona. She doesn't want to be Lady of Winterfell, she doesn't. You know, so I, that was, that was, he pulled me back in with that one. I was like, all right, that's really good. Actually. <laughs> that's really well, I mean, smart. she could be lady of flea bottom with, uh, Gendry, <laughs> right? uh, I suppose so, but no, she's dude, she's, um, you know, she's Beatrix from kill bill. You know, that's the second kill bill reference somehow today. I don't know why it's been on. <laughs> A lot lately. Uh, but, you know, she's, she's going to be fine. She's going to be a super millionaire. If you can kill people quietly and not mm-hmm. feel bad about it, you can make a lot of money still now in the real life world. So, <laughs> like, definitely in movie world. So, All right. You just depressed me now because you're right. <laughs> yeah. Gendry's going to make her things that she can go and kill people with. And it's going to be a, like, weird sort of Bonnie and Clyde thing. It's going to be great. Don't you yeah. think? You know what? I'm a little more excited for the season now. Good. Why? Um, just talking about it. You know, Mike, it's been a while. This is good. I like hearing everybody's ideas. This is like I got to think about season one. I got to think about the books a little bit. Like this was I needed to sort of flex these muscles a little bit. They were dormant, right? <laughs> <laughs> Now, okay. Now there's some current running through. Good. We're almost done here. This is plenty long as far as that goes. Uh, so let me just ask a couple of little questions here that I noted. What was the look on Cersei's face after Euron said that he would get her pregnant? Um, I mean, I guess she was kind of laughing at him a little bit, right? Because, like, this idiot. Cause is that does... Really? That little does he know he, she's already pregnant, and yeah, it's his ha ha. Well, and this is something I thought about too: is she has to have a cycle of seduction, 
where first she fucks Jamie and then she goes and fucks whoever she's going to blame the kid on. Yeah. <laughs> right? And she had to have done that with Robert. Well, with Robert, he was drunk all the time, right? So, you know, he might wake up and, you know, think he was with Cersei when he really was with a prostitute, you know, and that's I, that. I guess I've never been king drunk. <laughs> <laughs> As drunk as a king. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, she described it as where he would just stumble in and think he was doing something, but, you know, he wasn't. But if you would have asked him the next day, you know, like he did his thing <laughs> with her. Right, right. But see, that's my point is that she still has to, if she thinks she's gotten pregnant by Jamie, go. Mm -hmm. She needs to make sure. She needs to go bang somebody to blame it on. And so, like, to me, I, I to me, I, I thought it was really interesting. I watched I've rewatched that one moment, that little scene between her and Euron like six, seven times because he's freaking genius. He's the actor. Um, she is obviously one of the only one of the best people on the show and has been the whole time. Um, so there's just a lot happening there, you know, and to me, that moment. I mean, him saying, I'm going to put a prince in your belly was just making it really explicit. But that the whole thing was about that from her perspective, which is the mm -hmm. perspective we yeah. care about. And she put on a good show in the beginning because, you know, you can't look too eager. Right. He might wonder <laughs> like, oh, wow, she's I didn't expect her to be, you know, so forward. Right. She knew to to make a game of it. But she has to go through with it eventually, and you know she she does what she has to do. Well, but what was what was really fascinating to me is that she has now decided, and she told Jamie this. She's now decided she's going to tell everybody this is Jamie's kid, right? And fuck it, and we're going to make it known. And then he leaves right mm -hmm. after she says nobody's leaving me ever again. He leaves. Right. And now she's got to fall back on this thing that yeah. she's done three times in the past, you know. And so to me, there was just a lot happening there and she handled it very well. Maybe I am just projecting all of it onto her the way she just kind of sat there and stared off into space. But to me, it was a really effective staring off into space. Yeah, I mean, look, she doesn't give a damn about this guy. She's probably hoping he gets killed ASAP. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and she can just do whatever she wants. Yeah. One other really nice little moment. And, you know, I always got to give a shout out to the editor or, you know, one of the tech, one of the crew people. Right. Because I do this. I mean, you know, I don't do that show or anything on that level anywhere close to it. But I do technically I do manipulate sound and picture <laughs> so okay. i always i always like to give a little shout out to the technicians and there is a moment where uh varus and davos and Tyrion are walking through uh where right before davos proposes the proposal right when they're walking through winterfell before they're looking down at john and danny and they're walking and he says I've been with these northern people for a while now. They're tough as goats. 
right? I don't know exactly what the line is, but he basically said, or they're stubborn as goats is what he okay. says. And if you listen to it, in the middle of that line, right in the break, they're, they're, for one thing, they're walking by a goat. And in the middle of that line, right in the break, he says, I've been around these northern people for quite a while. You hear a goat. Meh! <laughs> they're stubborn as goats, right? That was just, what a nice, perfectly timed, wasn't really loud, you know, didn't get in the way, right? But what a very nice little bit of technical work. Good job, whoever is the Foley person for Game of Thrones. Well, uh, this is why we keep you around, because there's no way <laughs> anybody else would have caught that. Uh, and, well, I'm telling you, you will not be able to see the scene without hearing it from I this day wait, forward. Honestly, <laughs> I can't wait to watch it again. One more quick question. First, Sam comes out from the meeting with Danny, which we're presuming, I, to me, it felt like it was. You know, like after dinner, her and Jorah are having a constitutional, you know, walking around. Right. And then <laughs> yeah. they see him and he comes out and he sees. Braun, Bran, not Braun, Bran. And Bran says he's waiting for an old friend. And you're like, who's that going to be? Waka Waka. Right. It can really only be one person. And then Sam leaves. And then he goes and he does his thing with John. And then the next time we see Bran, is he sitting in the same place when Jamie gets there? Did he just like <laughs> sit there all night, all fucking creepy? <laughs> oh my god! That was totally the way I saw it. I saw it as he just sat there all night, just like being weird. Like if you can see when he's going to come, then you can go back inside. It right. Didn't... Like... <laughs> or maybe he just like he got pushed there, but I don't really know the mechanics of his chair. I'm not sure if he's actually able to control it. Have we seen him controlling it? Uh, I haven't, <laughs> or I haven't noticed it. But he's a three-eyed raven. Like, is it is just without Hodor? He just has to sit where somebody leaves him. I mean, that's just like. Oh man, that's harsh. <laughs> um, well, I mean, he says he's not even. Brand anymore, right? So maybe things that would bother a person who is not part tree raven thing, right? Like that doesn't bother him. Him sitting outside, him sitting inside, it doesn't matter. But do you think that's what it was? Or am I just because that could be a legitimate thing? Maybe he just sits outside for 12 hours in the middle of winter and Whenever anybody comes along and is like, hey, dude, come inside. Like, there's a fire. It's nice. You know, he's like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm just going to sit here and stare at this post that Jamie's going to tie his horse up on. And that's just what it's going to be. And if that's what it is, then that would be a way of separating him from everyone else. Right. That would be a way of saying, like, this is like he's no longer bothered by the cold or whatever, because he is this half tree person and he's off in this whole other world. But we have seen him be physically threatened while he was in the other world. Right. Or not the other world, but while he was in the network, in the tree network. And we've seen like Mira and I think Jojen was still alive then being like, Bran, come back. We got to go. Right. You know, right. right? Well, if, if in that, then that means that he is capable of being physically threatened, even in that network. Now, he wasn't as evolved as the Three Eyed Raven when that was happening as he is now. So maybe now he has some extra layer of, you know, but also, I don't, it's, I, and I know it's different for different people, but if you 
are paraplegic, can you feel your legs being cold? I guess, yeah, I guess it, but I, I don't even think that's an issue for Brand. Like, I think these are just like petty human concerns. Because he has evolved since the time at which they were still legitimate concerns. Mm-hmm. Because they were, right? Do you agree with me on that? Or am I overthinking Yes, that? he could feel the cold. He could feel all of that. It seems like now he's just so bizarre and like blank. You know, he, he's like a shell. So you think he was just chilling out there all night and if somebody offered to bring him a cup of hot chocolate, he was like, no, I'm good. How many times do I have to tell you people? I am right, a three-eyed right. raven. I mean, was he sitting out there for the whole time? I don't know. But if someone told me he was, I'd be like, all right. It wouldn't bother <laughs> you. As, it's yeah. bothered me for four days. It wouldn't bother you as much as it's bothered me. Is that what you're saying? Oh if you're telling me to let it go and move on and get this something, is like, that's a like real a concern Hines. in my life. This is definitely a Tim Hines moment where he's like, I counted seven soldiers. <laughs> oh, I can live with that. I've been compared to much worse people than the DJ. For sure. <laughs> That's all for me. Do you have anything else? This has been it's been really great to talk to you. Yeah, you know what? I think the only thing we didn't talk about, and I'm happy we didn't, because I honestly have nothing to say about it, was the whole Theon Yara thing. But um, I'm all good. <laughs> um, you know, it was nice to see Fionn have a moment. Then we'll yeah. go from there. That's it. <laughs> That's that on that. Yeah, they need to. I don't know. It's going to take a lot to pull that bag out. Just pull the rabbit <laughs> out of that hat because that story sucks. We're going to see. Yeah. Yeah. There's a reason. Maybe why nobody really. (laughs) I forgot that that happened, which (laughs) I guess is all I need to say. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) All right, Tracy. Well, uh, until next week, it's great to talk to you. And thank everybody for listening to Podcast Winterfell. And send us your email to podcastwinterfell at gmail.com before 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Wednesday because that's usually when we record. So then we can read your email. And if you get it in after that, then you're just going to have to wait a week, I guess. Yeah. That's all I got. Wait a week. That's, that's as threatening as I can possibly be. (laughs) 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 I am not a faceless man. (laughs) Podcast Winterfell. See ya. All right. I guess that's it.